Organissima New York. Your exotic skin, hair, and beauty source, and your one-stop shop for all your natural and organic skin and hair care. Featuring authentic organic Moroccan oil and prickly pear seed oil and much more. Bringing you only the best, straight from the source and proudly produced in the USA. So what are you waiting for? Shop today. Arganissima, New York. Your beauty is our duty. Folks, welcome back to the iHealth channel, iHealth Radio. We're your host, Hurricane H. New day, uh, new show. Uh, definitely a great show we're going to have today. Uh, just a topic that's probably going to be interesting to a lot of people. Um, it is a topic that we'll talk about music, uh, but we're going to talk about a very unique type of music, classical music. And uh, with me today, I have someone who actually composes you know, classic music and teaches classical music. And we're going to talk about the differences in the music and how it works in this whole world, uh, which, by the way, on our radio at night, we actually have classic music playing. <laughs> so it's literally like, you know, just to keep, you know, nice and and, and, and calm, you know, so that the radio does play that as, as part of our programming. So what I need do I have with me, Tina Davidson. Tina, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Oh uh, no, my pleasure, my pleasure. As I was talking to you a little you know, earlier, the I've had different types of you know guests uh, in the world of music, pianists. I've had singers, I've had rappers, and today we're going to talk about really classical music. I mean, as as classical as it gets, right? I mean, we're talking the heavy stuff. <laughs> we're talking the <laughs> traditional, tradition, old, old, you know. Uh, composing music. I mean, uh, maybe Beethoven type of stuff, right? <laughs> we maybe not. Maybe I don't know. That's that's what we're going to talk about here. But but well, so you, let me just um, introduce classical contemporary music is what we call it. Okay. It comes out of a tradition of classical music, but it is sort of like the Beethoven of today. So if Beethoven of today were writing music, he would call himself a contemporary classical composer. So it's out of the tradition, but it's modern. It's not always melodic. It can be uh, kind of dissonant and it can be actually a lot more like jazz more more like improvisational jazz it can be a lot of different things but these are I am one of the composers who I don't know I've just been writing music for the last 45 years and this year I also published a book about being a composer and some of the other things that happened to me in my life called it is, uh, excuse me, let your heart be broken life in music from a classical composer. All right. Well, so we're going to talk about the book definitely. And we want people to actually, uh, I guess, reach out and find out about the book and maybe get the book and learn from the book. But, but you say it's interesting because your story, you know, in the nineties, you apparently had a, a serious condition that, that you had to deal with. And, uh, not only you had to deal with, there was very little expertise to solve that condition. So let's talk about that story, if you don't mind. Oh, now I've had quite a few stories. So now, which story are you talking about? Uh, the the uh, congestive heart failure. Heart failure. Oh, yeah. 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 So I was 29 and I went to the dentist and had my teeth cleaned. And I was writing a piano concerto at that time. 
and I was actually rehearsing it and performing it with the orchestra. And I was getting really tired and I thought, oh, maybe I have a virus. So it was kind of cool because in, I didn't have any energy to be nervous because I, you know, I was actually sick. And so I played the concert. I played my piano concerto. And uh, when I got home, I said to my partner, I said, you know, I can't get out of the car. I'm I'm too exhausted. And it turned out I had congestive. I had a, a bacterial infection that I got through the dentist that entered my bloodstream and actually ate a, ate a couple holes in the leaflets of my valve. So then I had congestive heart failure for about nine years. So I stopped performing and I, I really had to sort of say, what do I want to do the most in life? And that was writing music. So I gave up all my jobs. I gave up uh, doing concerts and I just concentrated on writing music. And I did really pretty well for about nine years, but then I got so sick that I had to have open heart surgery. And at that point, they were doing a brand new surgery that only two people in the United States could do. One of them was in Cleveland Institute. Um, and what they did is they, instead of cutting the valve out and replacing it, which would have mean that I'd have to be on all sorts of medication, they just cut the holes out and they stitched them closed. And so after nine years of being sick and writing music and being very focused about that, I suddenly was well. And that was quite an experience to be suddenly well and to be able to run and walk and uh, do all those things that I hadn't been able to do. Um, and that in my music that was reflected on quite a few pieces that I wrote which were sort of in gratitude for healing. Um, so I was writing a lot of string quartets at that point. Um, so. so, so well, thank you, Tina, for for sharing that part of it. And by the way, that that's a pretty interesting concept that you've you literally understood the actual surgery process, and and you were smiling as you were describing it, which 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 indicates that it was unique, and it is still unique the way they did it. It's very progressive, very, you know. Uh, At that point, yes, it was yeah. very, now it's pretty commonplace. I'm saying but this was years ago. Yeah, now, now it's sort of like ho-hum. <laughs> yeah, it's like daily stuff, right? But again, I mean, but 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 you were young, you had this this whole event, and, and by mm -hmm. the way, that, you know, I don't know what you did with that dentist, you know, knowing that that was the, the stuff. Was there anything that actually, I mean, what, was there any ramification? Did you guys talk to no, this? No, because... Um, you couldn't prove it. <laughs> you couldn't prove it. You know, it wasn't, you know, he was just doing routine. He wasn't doing anything bad. Just happened. Well, yeah, but they sterilize and stuff and, you know, yeah. stuff. again, uh, it's hygiene, you know, and the dental office. I mean, yeah. Pretty... Yeah. I, I decided at that point that my focus was really on dealing with my illness, learning how to live with it, and uh, writing music. And I was very dedicated at that point. I was writing four or five hours every day. Um, and I had a little one. Uh, so I was very focused on just paring back my life to the essentials. Um, and 
doing what I could. It did mean that I couldn't exercise. I couldn't eat rich foods. I couldn't drink. I had to be on the couch at seven o'clock every night. But it was interesting because I had pared my life down. The illness actually made decisions for me. So I didn't have to think about, oh, should I go to a party? You know, I just couldn't go to a party. And it was kind of an, I think it's one thing we don't talk about is when somebody gets better, really better, is cured. How do you figure out your life at that point? How do you start taking on a different kind of responsibility for yourself and making good choices? Before I couldn't make bad choices. <laughs> I wouldn't have been able to, you know, get up the next morning. So it was it was a very interesting time for me to figure out how I would move through that. Because, you know, illness is a great teacher, but you are not your illness. And, and you also have, I had to let my illness go and learn to trust uh, um, and to be energetic and active again. So it was an interesting time. Well, it is. And for our audiences, I mean, we, we are going to connect the discussion today between music and the health and all the stuff. And you have other stuff that we're going to talk about. But you're right. I mean, illness is a super teacher, if you want to call it that way, because yes. only when you you have to face something of that magnitude, that's when you start learning other things and appreciating certain things in life. And, and, and again, you know, to your point, it was guiding you at the time. And then eventually when you got better... Now you had to make some real choices on how to proceed in life and, 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 and really move on from, you know, that whole element where you were completely not in charge. But I do, I do hear in your story that you adapted to a degree to it because you, you had to adjust because your health obviously is important to you and you took whatever, by the way, you said it's a long time. I mean, you know, of, of, of recovery here and in during the years that you mentioned, you were able to actually changed to do certain things and you kept it within i mean obviously you gave up things such as doing the, the the orchestras and all the stuff but you did the writing part you could not do i the show and you know i think that in a funny way the illness made me the composer i am today because since it was my one focus i just you know it's sort of like closing down a window till you just have a very narrow place that you're looking through and um, that was my concentration and my focus. Um, it also helped me in my personal life to realize there were things, emotional things in my life that I didn't want to be dragging through myself through. So the book is called Let Your Heart Be Broken. And that is a sort of a, a metaphor for everybody has a broken heart. Everybody suffers and is in pain. And you can resist it. You can push it away, you can pretend it's not there, or you can allow it to be in your life with the understanding that it will, as you grieve or deal with it and allow it into your life, which is a gentle thing. It's not like I'm going to take a hammer and hit it. Um, you, It has less and less power over you. And by allowing your heart to be broken, you find that you actually have the energy and the wherewithal to create something new. Um, 
So I think in terms of my music, um, that was a really significant time in my life, those nine years, um, to let go of a lot of old stuff. And wow, then when the doors opened and I was healed, you know, I was a Lazarus. Um, you know, you have some guilt, uh, have some trust issues. It, it was very unexpected. I didn't expect to be healed like that. Um, but it it really made me want more and more joy in my life and to have my music express that joy. Well, Gina, listening to you, you know, I think it's a lesson to all of us watching and, and listening right now, viewers and audiences, because and myself. You have a mindset about it. You have a positive outlook on things, and you know. And I think that's that's a powerful piece because I think there's only two ways in this life: we can look at things as doomsday, it's over, or we can look at things as like it's all right. It is what it is. Let me adapt. Let me make the best of it, and and do something with it. You know, while I'm still here and while I have the energy, your attitude about it is is completely. It is what it is. I'm gonna do some adjustments. It is my health. I'm going to go through it. But then you look now and you say like those were the years that made you the composer you are today, because you're right. You had the time to focus on your yes. writing. And, and I had really the time, putting... no distractions. <laughs> exactly. You don't have to do anything else. You spend your four hours, right. five hours a day putting music in play. So I, again, this is your case. You're a composer. If you were, you know, maybe, a, a, I don't know, something different in terms of your profession you probably would have done the same in this case and focus on putting maybe writing a book about you know different things you know whatever the case but but the concept about your positivity is contagious because and we want people to have that because life is at your point life is happening and we all get sick and and we all people are going through different things in their life and if it happens as you said let your heart be broken it means accept the situation and adapt, you know, and that's, that's a powerful message because right. a lot of us resist why it's happening to me. Oh my God. Oh, yeah. Why me? Life sucks. And then we can blame every single reason why it's happening. And even if you did, you're not changing anything. It is what it is at that time. The only thing you can do is adapt, move, work with it and see what right. you can come up with. <laughs> you well, did and, great. <laughs> and go through it. It's not like if the fire is in front of you and your life is on the other side, you're going to have to figure a way of going through that fire. And it's going to be messy and unpleasant. Um, but there's there are good people to help. Whatever you need, you know, you have family, you have friends. And if your friends are not helpful, I always say find new friends. People say to me, what if people discourage me from being creative? I said, oh, find new friends. <laughs> I'm just like, <laughs> don't be with the people who are saying no to you. Um, oh, and that. which which brings me to something else that I'm really very serious about. Now, I've been playing music since I was five. I've been writing music since I was for 45 years. And now I'm an author. I really believe that creativity is an innate gift to all of us. So we have two hands, we have two feet, we have creativity. Some people have more or some have it in certain directions, but we all have it. It's a gift. Mm -hmm. And so when somebody says, to you, oh, don't sing, you have a terrible voice, find new people to be with. 
be with people who support your creativity. I've done a lot of teaching in, in Philadelphia public schools. I go in and I teach kids who have had no musical background how to write music. So we build instruments from recycled materials. And I always find that when my kids have built their own instrument, they have to write music. Well, actually, they're mine. I could probably tell them to do anything. They will do anything for me. They've built this wonderful instrument. We write music. We don't write it through classical notation. We write it through graphic notation. They draw the sound. Then we do it through invented notation where they bring, they start creating their own alphabet of sound. And all I want them to know is you are creative and that is your gift and you take it with you. No one can take that from you. And I think sometimes we think only special people are creative. And it's my field. And I would say, no, we're all creative. It depends how we use it, where it is, um, and if we believe in it. Um, and some people nurture it, some people don't, you know, so, but that's, that would be my message to the listener is to believe in your own creative powers. I mean, even if you're going through a divorce, and you get through it, and you build a new life, that's being creative. That is the essence of creativity. Um, so anyway, I will finish, I will stop my lecture. <laughs> No, no, no. It's it's powerful stuff. I mean, and you break it down in a very simplified way, but really it is it is the core of things. And and there are two elements that I just want to highlight here. One is the ability to see you for who you are and believe in yourself. And if you think that people around you are not really there to support whatever it is. And it's funny because someone says, Well, you can't sing for nothing. Well, so I, I can get the concept of constructive criticism, whatever, and maybe someone that's close to you can tell you the, the reality or, or the truth that may hurt. But maybe in their eyes, they don't have an actual way of thinking about your voice. Now, you, you know, voice is voice. You can use it. I have a hoarse voice and I've never explored singing. I think I will suck at it. But, you know, frankly, you know, that's that's that part that you don't know. You don't know what you can you're capable of. Unless you put it out there. And if someone is going to support, here's the worst case that, you know, the best you know, case would be like, hey, listen, I don't know, but you know what? Let's try. Let's see what you can give. You know, right. that would be a positive way to do it. But when someone gives you that, uh, you're the naysayers, right? Like, you know, you can't do this. You're never going to do this. Who the, who the hell you think you are? You know, other people try and they give you every single reason why you would fail or why you cannot even start. And you're right. This is a decision making, you know, that most of the people sometimes have a challenge with because it's coming from your immediate entourage typically right. and it could be family members it could be close friends you talked about divorce it could be your spouse it could be other you know people that don't believe in you but the best message to everyone that they can get is believe in yourself no matter what no matter what people say if you think you got something explore it the worst case is you're gonna go to the end you're gonna discover it and not me you move on you try the next best thing again you don't know until you try. And so don't let people tell you off and tell you, you know, to turn off your, I guess, ambition. Right. And that's a big part yes. of it. And, it. And right. And I think when I started writing music and I was graduating from college, I was like going, oh, people say, oh, you know, as a musician, you'll never make any money. You know, it's <laughs> it's a dead end. And and I thought, 
should I do this? Or should maybe I should go back and get a graduate degree and just teach? And I thought, you know, the worst thing in my life would be to get to the end of my life and be bitter about a choice I didn't make. <laughs> and I thought, you know, you, you know, and I saw it in my mother. My mother was very smart. She was actually a college professor, but she really wanted to be a writer. And she was pretty, not, my mom lived and lived and lived and lived. <laughs> she lived till 99. So I think she was, she was, she was kind of disappointed with herself until she was about 70. And then she's kind of forgot about that. But I didn't want to be bitter. I would rather fail than to be bitter. So there's no failure. You would have probably just found another way to do it differently or maybe do something else. But, right. or, or, you know, to me, you don't fail. You just learn something new or, yes. you know, how not to do certain things, you know? Right. So as long as, again, it's all about mindset, how you look at it. But you talked about, you know, the you don't want to be bitter about things. And, you know, people at that early age are telling you, ah, what do you think? You know, you're not going to make money. That's typically because that's how people are. In general, people would not see your vision. They just see it from their own lens. And their lens, they're not seeing what you actually are thinking about, you know, your your grandiose mm -hmm. you know, moment, right? They're not seeing that. They're just seeing that I know you, but, you know, I don't think you can do this. No, you don't know me. That's the point. You know, no one knows us better than us. Sometimes we don't even know ourselves well. Mm -hmm. I mean, you discover things about yourself that you never knew. As the year go by, you can become more of who you are, right? And you can, right. I mean, there's so much that we actually are capable of. You talked about the creativity and and really just, uh, you know, doing things that, you know, like like uh, the comment you said about the your mom's almost regret. Believe it or not, the most common thing that that uh i had a show we talked about like some i guess analyve decisions or like regrets uh, or like moments where people are literally have in common they all have the regrets of things that they would have they wanted to do but never got to do them and you know and by the way this can happen to anyone it doesn't mean that you age or you don't age because we don't know where we go right but the fact is if you want to do something you know don't let anybody stop you from doing it as long as it's legal, of course. <laughs> now, if it's illegal, I would say, no, don't do that. You know, please don't. But but, but the idea, if you have ambition, if you have an idea, if you have anything, pursue it. If you feel that this is my legacy road, this is where I see my calling, guess what? Discover. You want to travel the world. No one can stop you. Figure out a way to do it. You can do it free. <laughs> you can get right. people to take your places, right? Right. And I think you need to be willing to accept that, okay, if I am a composer, it probably doesn't mean that I'll be able to afford a BMW. Or maybe I won't be able to, to buy the mansion on the hill. So you're making adjustments. It's what it's not want. I, you know, what what is the most important thing to you that you want? And and then be willing to not have some of the other trappings. And if you want the BMW or the house on the hill, then that's where you should be going. That's what you should be doing. Well, I, I think that even that will come on based on your expertise. The more you are good at what you do, the more you're going to highlight yourself, the more you're going to be, you know, pretty much attracted to all that stuff. That could happen too. You don't know. That's that's the thing. I mean, I don't every, know. every every person that is that has reached stardom that we know of in the world historically or today. They've had a moment of their life where someone or some people in their lives didn't believe in them, but right. they didn't listen to them. They did what they felt was righteous for them, and they continued. Was it easy? Probably not. Uh, was it difficult? Definitely, yes. 
did they have to jump hoops and loops and do all that good stuff and and to get whatever they did they did and did they have to sacrifice things pretty much a yes. lot of people do oh yeah especially sacrifice. if if you really want to be good at what you want to do um it takes you know what they say about uh becoming a virtuoso performer or dancer is that you have to do 10,000 hours of practice before you get to be 21 or 24 and i think it's 21 i i had done it by the time i was 24 but that means you know in college i was spending up to 4 hours a day just practicing the piano now i happened to love it so it didn't feel like a sacrifice and it is true that i wasn't as social as other people but that was that kind of worked for me <laughs> so but okay. you you're going to have to put in the work there's no question when you look at all the wonderful singers and in pop or in jazz or in any field they have put in the work i think the beatles they calculated how many hours they they practiced together before they made it big and it was a huge amount of you know they did a huge amount of not only practicing but gigs you know gigs and dives and bars you know where nobody was listening but that was a kind that was practicing so they they really did the work again Jenna, you you're talking about the main powerful things you got to do you got to believe and you don't stop and you do whatever it takes and whatever that means in terms of time in terms of putting the the effort you got to have to there was no free ride here i mean i i talked about no, going around the world there's no free ride there isn't no matter you know you know beyonce you know you don't it doesn't really matter who you're talking about they have done the work they have been disappointed yeah they have really hung in there and practiced and refined and performed and did it again and again and i think sometimes we think of these stars as being kind of magical but they're down and dirty with with doing the hard work um i happen to say that as a classical composer i i know some classical composers don't think of singer songwriters as as you know high music you know they i think it's all good i think it's all amazing all wonderful and um i've been in administrative positions especially when i was living in philadelphia where i was um i had a philadelphia composers league and that was as as for all composers for jazz it was for singer songwriters it was for um experimentalists improvisers uh people who were doing things all sorts of things and i i really believe that all the genres if they were to come together they would all make themselves more powerful in 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 terms of um they're all voices of our time music is really speaking of what we are going through and um that's very exciting it is a, a means of 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 expression right i mean and depending on what style everybody's got a different you know spin on things i mean whether you know it's funny cuz last month the month before i think we had um well actually last month you know we did have a few shows about hip hop because it's the 50th year anniversary <laughs> of, of hip hop we had some old school you know real 
you know, uh, people that actually out, were out there and, and made history in, in, in that genre of music. And, you know, again, it was what it was. It was an expression mode. And that was the type of music that could reflect that, that you know, messaging to the, to the world, you know. And so, to your point, I mean, whether it's classical, whether it's modern jazz, you name it, it's got its own generation, if you want to call it. It has got its own flavor. It's got its own, um, I guess, reason behind it. And and whatever it is, and historically, that's that's the same thing. I mean, classic music was was you know had a history, has a reason behind it, right? Now you actually have uh, performed at you know the Philadelphia Orchestra. You 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 were that was your your digs, right? That your your main. Well, I had a piece performed by them. Yes. Okay. Right. There yeah. you go. And then you have the uh, you the American Composer Orchestra Sample Chamber Orchestra. I mean, you you been around you know quite a bit of places and you know you've 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 built some nice music out there and i have some i have quite a few recordings out um there is a wonderful violinist her name is hillary hahn and she was one of these you know genius uh violinists but she commissioned a piece and she recorded it on deutsche gramophone and actually she recorded it two times she recorded it in 2013 and then she recorded it again in 2018 um, so I ha I have a recording on Albany Records, New World Records. So, you know, yeah. Uh, well, so so I have a question for you. Now, you said you started music since you were five. You know, that's that's an early age, and so you did have some some I guess some support. You mentioned your mom. I mean, they had to possibly support your idea or at least your ambition at that point. Because you could have possibly started the music at five without maybe instruments and things that they supported, you know, themselves. But then you kept that. You found yourself into it, right? Now, there is a story about you. I don't know if we can talk about it or not, but a story about parents, or, you know. Yeah, we can talk about it. <laughs> okay. So so, so I, I, uh, I wasn't sure I was trying to play around that it's, one. But... It's a little bit of a cliffhanger in my book, but I think if people hear it, they'll go, oh, I've got to read that book. Uh -huh. So um, I was born in Sweden, um, and I was in a foster home for three and a half years. I was living in the south of Sweden in Malmö with a, a Swedish family, and I had three older brothers, one of whom was almost my age, so we were brought up as twins. And then one day, this American woman came and adopted me, brought me to America, Um she married my stepfather, and then I was the oldest of five. Um, and I knew that I was adopted. It wasn't something we spoke about at all. Um, in fact, if I said something to my mother, she would kind of get really tense. And you know how kids have this intuition about things that they shouldn't talk about? <laughs> you know, I just kind of look at her and go, oh, I'm not going to talk about that. So when I was in college, I got a job with a family friend, um, a family actually that I had lived with in high school to go to this school in Philadelphia. And they wanted me to take their younger daughter to Sweden for a year. So I went back to Sweden, actually for th just the summer. I went back to Sweden and like the last week I thought, well, maybe I'll go to the adoption agency. So I called them up. And um, I always thought I was Swedish, maybe the only, I had very dark hair at that point, and Swedes are very blonde. Um, so they said, come on down, we, we have some information. 
And she was sitting there in the office and she asked me some questions about my family and then read me this letter. And it turned out that my adopted mother was my biological mother, but she had not told me. So, you know, it was one of those moments when you realize that you have built your whole life on a perception being adopted is very powerful. It wasn't that I wasn't loved or, or that anybody distinguished me as different than any of the other kids, but I felt different. And I felt like they'd talk about all the relatives and I'd think, oh, wouldn't it be nice to have know who my real relatives were? Mm-hmm. So at 21 to realize I wasn't that person. I I was actually really my mother's biological child. And then to think, why had she never told me? So that was a very hard start for my 20s. That was, um, I had a lot of anger about it. I think my mother was very smart. I, I was an illegitimate child. She was not married to my father. And um, she had me in Sweden in the 50s, where they were much kinder to women who didn't have husbands and she left me there I don't know if she really was sure she wanted to bring me back but when I was three and a half she decided she would and she adopted me and that kind of protected me it protected her and what I have learned is there is a big difference between your privacy which is you're entitled to have privacy and a secret And secrets hurt other people, you know, especially if it's a secret about somebody else. So my mother did the right thing, but then she kept holding on to this and it became a secret. And then she was, she thought she'd lose her job or she thought people wouldn't think well of her or, um, so to me, that's really important that I am entitled to have privacy, but if I have a secret that involves someone else, I have to think carefully about keeping that a secret and if it hurts other people. And that did hurt me. And actually, it hurt our whole family. It was quite a surprise to everybody. Um, and again, it. I think I have to say, having bringing it back to music, I think that music became this world that I could be in that protected me, that was safe. I could just sink down into the music and it was like I was underwater and I was breathing the water and I was totally at home with it. And um, I suffered a lot with depression as a child and as a young adult, really pretty deep depressions. Um, And when my daughter was born, I had to decide if I was going to bite the bullet. I either had to do some therapy and really work at this, or I was going to hand my daughter all my problems the way that my mother handed me her problems. And so I did a lot of therapy (laughs) and a lot of yoga and a lot of running and a lot of taking baths and, um, you know, just a body work, just anything that would make me healthy and get me to a place where I wasn't carrying this anger and rage around. Um, 
So yeah, that's that's what I did. You know, that was the fire. You know, <laughs> and it's I think gonna... you know also that as parents we have to understand if we don't take care of our business, we are just handing it off to our children, and even though. They might not know what our business is. They'll feel there's a, an effect. You know, maybe we're, we don't share or maybe we find it hard to put our arms around them. Or maybe we get really angry under unexpectedly because we're triggered or I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I'm listening to you right now. It's it's an amazing story, actually. <laughs> you know, like I, I the, the turn of events just on their own. I mean, it's it's a movie thing. I mean, really, <laughs> it could be a nice little movies movie are plot. real life. I mean, really weird things happen in life. But your story could be a real movie plot. I mean, just <laughs> just think about it. Like you know, you your you knew you were adopted, only to find out you were not adopted, and she was your. And by the way, I've had a similar story before, so this is not. It is. Yes, it's not. It's not unusual. Yeah, it's happening. Um, it. I mean, intellectually, I understand what my mother did emotionally Tough. it it was very very hard um uh, because, because and my mother was a bright smart lovely she was a wonderful human being but there was this secret the and, culture didn't allow for it then right? mm -hmm. culturally that was the reason i think she was forced to do this because of just Absolutely. the stigma behind it you know? we understand that and and that she couldn't have said to me, listen, honey, you're 13 now, and this is not something we can share with other people right now, but I wanted to tell you I'm your real mother, and I love you, and I call you by name. I call you my daughter. I bring you in so you know that. We can't talk about it because of the way society is, you know, with friends, but you can always talk to me. You're going to be angry. You're going to be happy. You're going to be sad. Come to me. I am here. Any resentment? For me? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> it took me many, many years um, and active practice of forgiveness. I Oh, well, let me tell you my practice of forgiveness. It's in the book. Uh, yeah. Listen, people need to know that because I think we all need some of it. <laughs> so this, this, you know, at one point, I had this dream that I was down in the basement and I'm dragging something across the floor of the basement. And the rope is cutting into my shoulder. And I look back and I realize it's a body. And I woke up and I said, oh, my God, I am dragging my parents around. I have to get out of the basement. This is crazy. So I decided I was going to forgive everybody. And I had this pit bull and we were walking the streets of Philadelphia. And she was pretty aggressive and would pull and I started every morning for a year. All I had to say was, I forgive you. I did not have to mean it. I absolutely didn't have to mean it. But I would say, okay, so I forgave myself first. I forgive you, Tina. Then I forgive my daughter. Then I forgive my husband. Then I forgive my brothers and sisters. After about 20 minutes of walking, I was at my mother and my my stepfather. I was at... You know, I was walking the streets of Philadelphia and I was saying, I forgive you, you horrible, you know, expletive, expletive. <laughs> you can imagine what the neighbors thought, like, oh, my God, here comes that crazy woman. And I did it for a year. And what I noticed is I could be in the room 
with my stepfather without feeling like I had to leave. Then at Christmas, my mother gave me a gift and I was able to say thank you. I was, you know, it didn't restore love, but it brought me to kindness. I was able to be kind to them. And that was such a gift to me, to be with them and not be angry and resentful. It didn't make us the best friends in the world. It didn't bring out back all those things that I lost. But I could be a decent, kind person to them. Um, when my mother got older, I could, I, you know, I wasn't taking care of her all that much, but I could come up on weekends. She had late uh, onset Alzheimer's. So she would say, now, who are you? And I'd say, oh, I'm one of your daughters. But I could be kind about it. And that was such a gift to me. So I think forgiveness has really, for me, has nothing to do with them. It has to do with lightening my load getting through my anger, and just being a decent person, just being relaxed with other people instead of like this sort of tense. <laughs> and I love that I said, I forgive you, but I didn't have to mean it. I, You know, I love that I gave myself that permission. But I think saying it over and over again, I forgive you. I forgive you. I forgive you when you were so difficult. I forgive you when you screamed to me. I forgive you when you hit me. No, I can't. I'm not a psychologist, but it worked for me. You know that—that's my question. I mean, you've you've pretty much challenged yourself to to fix yourself in a way, right? And all your emotions, all stuff, without using any outside help. I mean, a lot of people would probably, you know, have some sort of a psychotherapy. Oh, oh, oh no, no, I did have therapy. Oh, okay, so oh, I did have therapy, but I always believe that you have to do. It's not just therapy or just medication. You got to do your part. It's so much else. It's healthy eating, good sleeping, taking baths, lighting candles, uh, going on date nights, treating yourself well, doing yoga, doing exercise, getting out for beautiful walks. Um, and especially, I've always been so goal driven. You know, I serve my music. And I have to be in the best emotional, physical shape to write music, and then I'll do whatever. And to be the best parent I can be. So those two things, you know, whatever it is, I'll do the work. And so, not, not fun work. Not you, enough. you enjoy what you do, though. <laughs> I'm very focused on it, yes. It gives me a huge pleasure. Um, That's power. Yes. Then, uh, you know, loving what you do, yes. living to do what you love yes. is just it's just a unique thing. Not everybody gets to do that, unfortunately. Well, we don't do it because we don't select to do it. I think we do it because we follow the motions and whatever is thrown at us, we just take. And, you know, if you want to be happy and, and, and real success is really if you're happy, the rest, I mean, the money comes on everything. But if you're not happy, there's no success there. Right. Who cares about the money if you're not happy? <laughs> yeah, listen, success is a lot of things, and we always measure it by how much money do you have, how much property you've 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 <laughs> earned, or what's how much is in your bank. But really, it's everything's the family values, it's the the ability to actually get up in the morning 
and have your health and wealth and, and, and sanity and be able to do what you love, you know, without having to have any regrets on, on every day, right? You're just happy to do your thing, right? And I think that's a powerful piece and you do that every day. Now, I, I did ask the question earlier about the support in the, in terms of the music from your family. And of course, we went and talked about the story, which is an interesting story of, of your mom and your childhood mm -hmm. and everything. Now, did they have anything to do with your music? You know, Oh, my mother, my mother was a, a college professor. Uh, she was an avid violinist. She loved playing the violin. She loved playing an orchestra. It wasn't a DNA. And she just loved, well, you know, it's interesting. My paternal, so my father's mother, uh, I have her piano. My father actually is a scientist, a well-known scientist. He's quite a jazz, you know, he played jazz in the in the 20s and 30s he that's what he liked to play so he was quite a, a good pianist and my my foster mother my dear swedish mother she played the harmonica you so i surrounded. felt like yeah, and there were a lot of people wanting to do music that really hadn't done music as a profession and i was kind of that person that that went on and did it you were the one that fulfilled their dream. <laughs> yeah, I think I think so. It's sort of like, yeah. Right, listen, yeah. but but that's that, you know, there's always something. I mean, there's a drive. Whether to your point, it's the the fact that you were surrounded by it, the fact that it's in in the family genes somehow. You know, it, it all kind of had to do it. And maybe we can't prove it, but but it sounds like the 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 circumstances, the environment that you had was almost leading and talking to you. This is right. your calling, and I you think did. So. Yeah, and I, I do want to say about my mom, she was she was an amazing storyteller. She really wanted to educate her children. She was always taking us to different things, uh, giving us different opportunities. So, I, you know, there was just kind of this one thing. <laughs> listen, it's not a small thing, but but yeah. You know, listen. I mean, he, listening to to the story, you know, I, I I get it. I get her why she did it. But you're right. She could have. That's the part again for people watching, and listening. You know, there's the fear of if I tell you, maybe you react, right? right. But if I don't tell you, you're gonna react regardless. <laughs> Probably it will be worse because it will yeah. be longer, and then that resentment, you know, is gonna be harder. That that you know, uh, maybe hate will even develop and things like that. Uh, as opposed to if I did it early on and, and, and just prepped you, or at least gave you the, the right reasons behind it. And and earlier stage, you probably wouldn't have felt the same way. But the well, long I, time. I, I think that anytime you're intimate, it takes courage. Courage because you might be rejected. And that's part of the creative process as well. When you are performing a piece or composing a piece or, you know, whatever you're doing, you're taking you and you're putting it out for other people and they may love it or they may not like it so but you can't connect with them if you don't have the courage to do it so i think that's something that is a, a music lesson but it's also a life lesson that that to create intimacy and bonds between people you have to be courageous enough to open your mouth or your to sing or to play or to tell the story or <clears throat> because that's what 
then creates the con connection between us all is that willingness to share. So it's really about sharing. Well, again, it's, it's, you got, you have to have the courage, right. To, to, to break that, you know, especially when you've done something and you're, you're hiding again, secrets, right. It's hard like to, to come in and say, listen, I want to tell you this. Most of us, you know, are probably going to be hesitant, you know, because we don't know your reaction, right? We right. we try we try to figure out the reaction, but at the end of the day, you got to face the music, and <laughs> literally, you know, <laughs> you, know, you got to face the music. That's so right. Face the music sometimes, so might as well get it done, right? Yeah. Um, but so so let's talk music, literally. Like, why classical music or classical contemporary versus any type of music? I mean, isn't music the same? I mean, the basics of, um, again, let me rephrase that. The basics language of music is the same. I'm, I'm, again, I'm ignorant about music, so you can school me all you want right now because that's important for me too. But I understand that, you know, the melodies, or at least not the melodies, but the actual notes, right? They're the same, you know, the... Uh, right, they're... Do, they're, they're, they're. Yeah. So the, those ones, right? You know, everybody uses the same, it's like the same alphabet, just different, you know, thousands and thousands and millions of words, right? Same concept. You can have different ways to do it. Why not jazz? Why not any other type of music? Why specific classical music? I, I think I that's a, that's a wonderful question. I think for me, it's what I grew up with. Um, I grew up with classical music. So it was the language, the musical language in the house. Um, I think that when you're in jazz, it's it's really the language usually that you're either you grow up with or you feel it's kind of street, you know, it's kind of out there. Um, also, jazz has got, you know, a, a wonderful ability to improvise. And that's such a wonderful metaphor for people to feel like I've got this stuff, but then I have to make it up on the spot. Mm -hmm. um, classical music is, is much more a written form, like literature, which is more written. It's... Um, uh, so I think what I love about it is that, you know, my music doesn't sound like Beethoven at all. Um, I do a lot of stuff with rhythm that you might think is maybe even a little bit more um, comes from Arabic music or, uh, you know, and I lived in Turkey for three years. So I think it kind of seeped up in, in there. <laughs> but I love to do a lot of things with rhythm. I also am really interested in energy. Like if you've got this pattern that's growing and growing and you're getting more and more energetic, what happens when you run out of energy? Like if you're running a race and you run and you run and you run and you run and you know what they say that you hit the wall and then you're, I always think that you hit that wall and then your heart goes up to God. You know, just so in terms of music, what would that be like when you've exhausted your physical energy? It's just all gone and you hit that wall. I don't know. I feel like you just go whoosh, up into up, up into the sky um, and maybe the energy turns into more of a swirling melody or something like that. So um, I I think classical music has a lot to do with the architecture of sound it's usually the pieces are longer. Mm. Uh, jazz can be pretty long, but certainly longer than a singer songwriter song, you know, uh, which is usually between what, three and six minutes, or sometimes longer. Well, classic you know. music can be for 
classic Michigan go on for a really a long time. You can, have, you you can, can listen to Mahler. When I was a child, it was like I'd hear that it was a piece by Mahler, and I'd go like, oh, no, it's forever. Oh, listen, but, you, I know, mean, you, you have to appreciate it. I mean, you know, if, for example, if you live movie, you, you love movies, you know, movies, you know, what makes the movie more attractive is the sound and the music, you know, that is, I mean, mm-hmm. look at, I, we go contemporary, like Star Wars, right? You know, right. the, what is the, the Imperial March, right? It's like a right. signature, you know, a piece. It is not a small piece. It's a big piece. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, I don't know. I mean, you, you probably right. the judge. Right, right, right. You'll be a better judge than me, but, but it is a traditional, you know, piece. Everybody kind of tunes out to it. It's even been remixed into some modern stuff, but, but it is, you know, almost like something unique, but you can't, appreciate star wars without it you can't appreciate superman without the composition and the music behind it so so it, it gives a live to to anything i mean i do podcasts and shows and stuff and i i have to throw in music when even our clip here is going to have some music behind it so i'm going to use one of yours oh yay <laughs> but, you know because it, it gives it a little bit of spice you know it just it makes it alive right so the music in its own is alive right now for me I'm just a normal person. I'm not big, you know, I mean, I, I, I understand the difference in music, but when I look at music notes, and you, I, I can flip on the whole book. I would not even understand what the hell, how is it going to work? What does that mean? Now, when I work, like, I, I, uh, I've seen some, um, I guess, orchestras playing live. They all have the notes in front of them. They have the maestro working, the, the magic and all the stuff. But, but, but like, the notes are the same. How do, for example, you know, the drummers and and the violinist and the, you know the chair, the the all the the pianists and all these these different instruments operate based on? Is it a cue? Is it? I mean, I have no idea. Can you guide us through that process? Because I mean, <laughs> <laughs> you know, to me, right. it's like they all sound the same. They all look the same. But what drives one versus the other? Right. So when you create an, I've written a lot for orchestra. So let's say you have just a melody. Um, you have woodwinds, you have brass, you have strings, you have percussion. And you, it's called orchestration, where you take that melody and the accompaniment, whatever that is. Usually it's two-part or even three-part or even four-part. And you, (laughs) you score it so that maybe the flutes are playing along with the, the violins. And then the the brass has this little thing in between. It's it's kind of like um, let's say you're used to painting with you know a kid's palette which has like six or eight colors in it, and then you go and you take an artist palette which has twenty four colors. So like there are ten different greens, and suddenly you're starting to look at between the colors like. There's green, but then there's light green, then there's olive, and then there's, I don't know what that is. <laughs> so that's what orchestration is. It's about creating these different colors with different combinations of instruments. Um, but it's written so written down like this. Um, so everybody's playing with the beat, but they may be playing different things. But orchestration has this... It's like going to an art museum and saying, whoa, I didn't know you could do that with color because I never did it. It's it's like me looking at the matrix. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it, exactly. It's so, um, 
it becomes second nature to the composer. You know, it's just, but you've got to understand that the the note system, the notation system, it's just a language. It's just symbols for different sounds and the value of how long that sound lasts. So music is really uh, pitch, high, low. It is duration. How long does it last? How short, how long? There's a lot of silence in it. It's very important that they have rests or silence or that you begin in silence or maybe you take a pause and then it's sort of organized. So that's really what music is. And the notation is just a way of scribbling it down. It's just a, it's just like an alphabet. I mean, for me, it's, it's code. <laughs> it's like computer yeah, code. It is code. It is but, code. <laughs> you know, just like if, if you had to write computer code, you'd like go, oh, I can't do this. But you just learn that language. Yes. Uh, no, like listen if it's spoken languages yeah. you talked about you know turkish you know uh, culture whatever i mean imagine you learn a different language right it's it's the mm -hmm. same you got to learn the whole thing and it's it's the same thing I and mean, for you it's it's you just see it and you, you can you can read the whole thing you can see the whole you can hear it in your mind literally playing right that's 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 the level that you get now were you did you actually study music like from, from early on or that was something that you picked up on your own and then advanced to it later on? Uh, so I studied piano all the way through college. Um, and um, when I was in college, um, they always thought that performers and composers, performers should always compose and composers should always perform. So they were very strict about that. So I had to go to a composition class and the class was, they handed out some paper and they said, pick two people in this class and go and write a piece for them. And I said, well, aren't you going to teach us how to do this? They go, no, you've played the piano for 10 years, you know, figure it out. So my first piece was for oboe and French horn. And I really thought this was really stupid. I just thought really stupid. You know, all good music had already been written. Why Why are they bothering me? So I wrote it. It was not a very good piece. Um, but I was really interested. And so by the time I got to the end of the semester, it's something I really wanted to do because it meant that I could have my own voice. I could speak. I could be the one creating the words rather than reading it um, or playing it playing somebody else's words. And I just, I think also because I always wanted to compose about my life, but I didn't want anybody to know about that. So it's very secretive. You could, you can write all sorts of things in music and people don't know what you're saying, except I like it or I don't like it. Well, so. That's, that's amazing though, because I, I love what you said that I wanted to compose about my life. I mean, so basically you're, People can write a book, which you did, but you can literally translate that book into into notes and compose a whole, I guess, melody about it. Or is that, mm -hmm. is that did I get it right? Melody will be well. Yeah, I mean, I've, I'm whole... always writing about where I am right now, and I don't think that's narcissistic. It's just that if I can speak my truth in music, I really believe that when the listener hears it, it's not that they know me. But maybe they'll know themselves a little bit better. Maybe something in what I am 
playing will resonate with them and they'll go, oh, that tells me something about myself. That is always my hope, that if I share myself as authentically as I can, other people will understand themselves better. You know, you know how you are when you listen to music and you go, oh, that is just, <laughs> that means so much to me. It speaks to you, that's right. Right. And it's not that that singer or that performer has told you what they are, but you understand, you go, oh, I feel myself. And I think that's where the power of art lives, is that we understand ourselves better when you go to a jazz concert or or hip hop or any of those mediums or to the art museum or to the county fair we get a bigger understanding of ourselves and i think that's very important music really plays on on our emotions uh, you know you can be it can make you sad can make you happy i mean the movies we're talking again the example of movies that's a lot of composition there you know it, it's it really the scores are are what drives even the our movies right you know they get you from the music and the sound and like all of a sudden like you get these squeaks and you get this 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 you know a percussion type of you know of of, mm -hmm. of noise whatever you got different things right and you have like you know the uh, movies where you can start literally tearing off by just simply listening to music. I mean, it can get you to that level. Um, I think it, because it's nonverbal as well, hmm? it it may touch a different part of your brain. I know that people who have lost the ability to speak um, sometimes can learn to speak uh, by sing remembering a melody. So my a very sad story in my uh, life was that my niece, when she was 16, she got a brain tumor. And when she was 18, she died. And I was I came up and stayed with the family. Uh, I was there for about five weeks. And because of her tumor, she could no longer talk. But she could sing and sing the lyrics of she loved wicked. So I think that really talks about that music is in a different part of your brain. And I think it uh, gives you, it's very sensual, sensual and, um, and it doesn't have words. So you can't say, oh, this means that it's more of a feeling. So yeah, it, it's really, it plays on emotions. I mean, even it just, just I mean, and there's so, so, so much variety of it that you can use it for different purposes. I mean, we use it for gym, we use it for work, for relaxation, for meditation. You use it for just, you know, for, for I guess, romantic stuff. You can use it for happy occasions. You, I mean, it's it's everything. I mean, I think everything around us has some. Nature has music playing every day. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you literally can listen to the sounds of nature and, and it's, it's a melody playing. I mean. You go by the sea, it's got, you know, it's got its own sounds, you know, by the water, rivers, the winds. I mean, there's there's, mm -hmm. there's sounds around us. And if you and people actually capturing that and using it in composition. I mean, I've seen some of those things where it's really natural, you know, composition just being remastered, I guess, in, in a studio. Uh, it's, it's amazing stuff. Now, question, Tina. A lot of composers typically have idols 
of them or role models of theirs <laughs> and or someone who influenced their style. Is there such a thing for you, Tina? Hmm. When I was younger, I would read a lot of biographies, like 10 or 11. I always liked the ones about women the best. Clara Barton, who was the first nurse, you know, um, I think it was Molly Pitcher, who went out during the Revolutionary War and gave the soldiers water, Joan of Arc. Um, in music. Those are important, the ones you mentioned. I mean, they're, yes. they're, they're, they're role think, models, they're leaders. I think as a woman, you know, my field is really hard on women. All of classical music, there aren't any women. And in fact, they're white guys who are Christian, you know, Germans. They're, they're, it's a very upper crust kind of art form where um, they were, I wouldn't say wealthy, but they were wealthy enough to be able to play music. But when you think of classical music, it's really traditionally a male, Christian, they're white guys. And uh, where do women fit in? And so the music world, the classical music world is much better now about women composers and certainly composers, uh, African-American composers and willing to allow those composers to speak in what they feel is their authentic voice where it isn't necessarily it's different. It's more influenced by jazz or so, or world music. So I think as a young woman uh, growing up to be a composer, I never played any music by a woman composer when I was at, up until college. I didn't know that women could compose music. It never occurred to me. So I think it was harder for me to find a role model. Um, so, so some good historic ones. Yes, I think the people that I really loved in the music field were actually more of the experimental composers because they were thinking outside of the box. They were doing more improvisation. They were more interested in sort of breaking down some of the old forms. So I'm thinking of Pauline Oliveris, um, who is a wonderful experimental composer, Um yeah, probably her. Yeah. Finding, you know, I think you have to find people that really speak to you, not only the music, but who they are in life as well. Um, and that helps a young artist um, develop. I had a, a wonderful student today teaching composition. He's in college. And he said, you know, I really get into my head when I'm writing music. And I said, well, what does that mean? He said, well, you know, I don't come from a classical tradition. I come from, you know, more of a rock and roll or, you know, more casual. Uh, and I said, and he said, so I sometimes think I can't do it. And I said, that's why you have me as a teacher, because I will say to you, you can do it. I don't care what your background is, you know. I am here to say yes. Yes, you're doing a good job. Here, I'm getting a little confused. What do you think you could do with that? You know, make make it a little bit better or clarify your idea. 
I said, but of course you, you don't, you know, you're not sure about your talent. And that's why I'm here to make sure that you know that you can do this. It's funny. I'm listening to you. It's something that came to my mind. You know, there's a song, Amadeus. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but but there's like a, a rock version of Amadeus that that was uh-huh. like in the 80s. So it's kind of like you know you can you can probably play on it you know in a new way and 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 adapt to 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 something new and make it you know yes. you can still hear the old Amadeus you know beat and and and, and melody, but it's a very like you know more club music style. With, you know, with, actually Mozart was kind of a rock musician. <laughs> you think, there you, you go. Know, he, he would sit down and just like oh let me write this, and people would go oh my god. <laughs> but yeah, but but literally, I mean, you know, his music is 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 amazing. But but this dude that I forgot his name now, the actual. Um, more contemporary one that actually did it. I think the eighties was it was German, I think too. Mm-hmm. But he he did a, a a spin on 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 the original Amadeus, but it, it became but it was like really like you know upbeat and you can really go to it, uh, and and it, it made a hit, you know. So so mm-hmm. you t- talking about your student, you can do that just because maybe right. that flavor you have, you can adapt to it and, and give a new, as you said, you guys are classical contemporary, so right. you can throw in stuff now. You said something very powerful that you didn't grow up to have any role model in the classical sense of music. Mm-hmm. You are today the legacy of the next generation. So now people can actually look up, look up to you as the one of the master, you know, women composers of today's age. And your name is is going to be branded for life because people now are going to use your composition and your style in the next, you know, in the courses and stuff. I mean, I, I, I wanted to 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 read something, um, but I can't see it here. There was something that I read earlier on, on your website about, um, uh, where is it? I'm trying to look. But but there there's some nice little quotes about your work, you know, out there. And, and, and those are powerful. So I'll have, I'll try to put them on the description of the show so people okay. can actually read about them. But you are being looked at as, as a, uh, you know, a very, an expert at what you do and a phenomenon in terms of, of the new contemporary music. And that's actually beautiful to, to, to know that there is a signature that you are put in today. You know, as a matter of fact, I had the show yesterday, we talked about being unique, being, uh, having your own signature and you are doing that now. You are well, the and, new Mozart. And, <laughs> right. And to, you know, what I would love to do and, and continue to do with composers is, <clears throat> You know, I don't, I I always, I, you know, again, I get back to this. I want to, you know, to say yes, write your music, teach yourself, look at, you know, once your music is written, take a look at it, ask yourself a question. What did I do good? What, what really worked? What do I wish I had done better? So I don't want to be the critical voice. I want to support my composers to be their own have their own critical thinking which is what did i do well what could i do better and how can i move on to the next piece you know no piece is that precious that you have to like keep on changing it to make it perfect you know i don't believe in perfection anyway um you do the best you can and then move on and write the next piece and do the best you can learn from it right on, you know, just, so it's this progression 
And I guess if I want to be a role model, it's, I love writing music. I, I just think it's wonderful. And I, I would want everybody to write music. And I think it makes you a better person. Every once in a while, I think of a politician that I don't care for. And I go, oh, if he had studied composition, he might be a better person. Maybe. Maybe. But so, Tina, you, 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 write, you wrote music. You are writing music. What is your best piece today that you can claim? <laughs> mm. oh, and, wow. and, is it, and is it used in any orchestra today that people can really? You I mean, know, I know um, I, I've, heard, I've seen some of the videos on, on YouTube and stuff, so there's right. some good stuff there. But um, I really like <clears throat> a piece called um, It Is My Heart Singing. Uh, that's for piano and string quartet. I have a new piece called Leap, L-E-A-P, and I wrote that during COVID. And I was writing about how when everything was shut down, the old way is gone and you kind of have to leap into the new way. You kind of, and when you leap, sometimes you don't know where you're going. You know, it's that leap of faith, <laughs> right? Uh, so I was writing about that, that sense of, you know, the world had kind of tipped and was kind of crazy, uh, but in a very quiet way, you know, nobody was outside. We were all, but everything was sort of distorted and, and different. Um, I like that piece. That's going to be recorded this year uh, by a, a, another group. <clears throat> yeah. All right. Well, listen, you know, we, we, we will search, you know, and, and make sure we get all some of that stuff. And now your, your music is, is out there. I mean, people can, can purchase some of this stuff. <laughs> On Spotify. You know? Yeah. Spotify or Apple music. Right. So definitely we're going to have to. And you can go to Amazon and buy my book. Let your heart so, be broken. So we're going to talk about that, you know, now where, where we can get there. But um, so, so uh, New York times praised you vivid ear for harmony and colors. Um, you know, that's one of the quotes and there's, there's some more stuff out there about your special gifts to, to the music, you know, and, and the classic music, if you want to call it that way. So, um, now the book is available, as you said, only Amazon, right? That's, that's um, where... Amazon, Barnes and Nobles. Wherever the books are yeah. sold. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> right, so I, I will, I will definitely have the link to it so people can actually do, um, uh, access it and, uh. I mean, you—it's not just about music. I think it's—it's it's a whole thing with you. It's the story. It's all your, your, your life story basically is right. in there, and right. and and all the tips for people um, <laughs> to to enjoy themselves and have a better life, learning from the stuff. It's also a lot about my composing process, what I'm thinking about when I write a piece of music. Uh, so it's short stories. So they're ch chapter. Every other chapter is a short story about my life, five to six pages. And then the in-between chapters are actually journals that I wrote during this decade of time. Um, and I'm, the journals are about my life as an adult, but also about how I'm composing, what I'm composing, and what I'm thinking about when I'm writing music. So I think it it articulates a little bit of what, I go through as I write music, um, what I'm thinking about. A lot of times I'm writing about like I'm blocked and I don't know, <laughs> like there's like I'm supposed to be writing this piece, but I can't do it. Um, 
sometimes I write about that. Um, but it's really about my life as as a composer. And then you go back to my childhood. The, the third chapter is about my childhood and the fourth chapter is. So I think it works really well. People say it's um, uh, it's a kind of reads like a thriller that they can't put it down. They're like, well, what's going to happen next? Well, it is a thrill and it is it is a real and it is it is a real story that people can actually well a live story literally from 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 you to now talking about everything you've dealt with as well mm -hmm. as your creativity and how you do your music right. right now now a quick question just just for out of curiosity how long does a piece take to actually write i mean we know uh, for writers you know, you know, it's the same thing. You got to be creative and you start that blank page and you stare at it and then you start typing and then erase and type. <laughs> right. and Does that also work for music? Composition? Uh, yeah, I would say that um, a 15 minute piece might take me. It depends upon what the orchestration is. If it's a 15 minute piece, it might take me three or four months to write. If it's an orchestra piece, it might take me six months to write a 15 minute piece. And then I have some operas, um, and they take about a year to write. And then you put them aside, and then you have to rewrite them. And um, so it does take time. And especially, I write a lot of notes. A lot of my music is pretty fast. A lot of notes, yeah. Well, again, I mean, but that's that's impressive. I mean, I, I was thinking more like in terms of hours. <laughs> You're talking in terms of months you know, or years, literally. So it is, yeah. it is not something that... Yeah. But as you said, it is well, art. and it's not writing eight hours a day. You know, not you can only yet. write a certain amount. You know, maybe some days it's a good day is three hours of writing. Some days it's five minutes. You know, you just you wake up. Yep, you and then you just have to live with that five minutes and go to sleep and it's, it's, <laughs> wake it's up the, the next day. Yeah, listen, you refresh, and and sometimes did you ever get those moments at night where it's like it's like happens and you just get up <laughs> um i i do have those moments um when i'm really intensely composing a piece i will i will in the in my dreams i will hear my music like inch by inch line by second by second and it's so annoying i'm like it's like slow motion music and i'll wake up and i'll go you've got to give me a break here i'm sleeping <laughs> go away do you actually go up and really all of that just take it and put it on the no note? i just no. i usually when i wake up and and i'm going through this peach like through slow motion like note by note by note i just wake up and i say go back to the studio where you belong i like let me sleep please but i think you know when you're doing something in a very concentrated way of course, you you're gonna. It's gonna affect your sleep. Yeah. Now, when you are composing music, do you actually literally? I'm not in the sleep state. I'm talking about really right now in front of your writing piece. And 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 do you actually? You talked about how it's all kind of synchronized between the instruments and the type of sounds, right? Mm -hmm. uh, do you actually hear all those pieces together when you actually playing? You know, or not playing, but writing. Because like, um, somehow it's got to be like you're listening to it at the same time. I don't know. Well, you but know, I've been doing this for 50 years. So I've collected, you know, I have some good sound banks in my ear, you know. So, yes, I do know 
what the sound is if you put a violin with a flute or or if you put the violin with a clarinet. Um, I have those sounds in my memory that I can sort of check with. Um, sometimes when I hear a performance of something, I'll go, oh, that's kind of different than I thought it was going to be. Maybe the sound is a little bit different or um, generally it is, it's not a surprise, but occasionally it is a surprise. And I go, oh, good. I've learned something. <laughs> oh, cool. So what advice would you give to young you know, composers today uh, for classical, I guess, contemporary classical, if you want to call it that way? Um, well, first of all, who you study with, make sure they're not saying no to you in some way. You know, if you're in a school that you feel like they are not being positive about you being a composer, find a different school. Um, I think the biggest advice that I got was not to go to graduate school, but to go and create your own group or find your own performers, write music, have them perform it, you know, just write and write. And the experience of hearing your music teaches you so much about what you should do next. And write for your friends, write for a community orchestra. Don't wait for that big, you know, Carnegie Hall experience. You know, just write for anybody who will play your music and just write and write and write. Um, and I think that was the best advice I ever got in school is just keep on writing. But write, you know, and a lot of um, contemporary composers, particularly in the 70s, the orchestras weren't going to play their music. And we're talking about Philip Glass and Steve Wright. They just created their own bands and wrote for their own bands. And then they started booking their own concerts. Um, and that's how they became really well known. So if somebody won't play your music, create your own group. I will say the same. If you can get an opportunity from somewhere, create the opportunity yourself. That's it. Yeah. I mean, you know, so I don't, don't think high. Think what's around you. Mm -hmm. You got to start somewhere. Yeah. 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 Don't, don't worry about those big, you know, flashy experiences. You know, find the small ones and build, keep on building. But you're right. I mean, again, your music is only as good as, as the play, right? And if you and, get a good and the experience that, that you have, yeah, well, so you're that. going to grow on experience. So get that experience. That's everywhere, right? Yeah, everything we do. But the idea is, if you have a good band, you know, well, I guess you refer to them as as an orchestra, or know. or your your ensemble, whatever oh, so, it is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So so you mm -hmm. get a bunch of your know, great, you know players and you know they love music and then you compose and you get the next big hit that's it yeah. i mean it's that's yeah. simple as you know now you can even get discovered through a lot of different ways and and yes. have your own i mean you can create Do your, your own, own channel recording for music. well right. now people are self-publishing oh i you know listen I, I have music studios friends that have studios and you know they yes. they always welcome people to come on and they'll help right. them digitize and do all the stuff so right. it, it's amazing that that now we have the tech we have the abilities to do more than than what you had in the past right. now so this is going to be a, an off question what is just your take on 
today's music period. Not classical, but just music. <laughs> well, you know, I have a lot of kids who come in and um, they want to play um, the music. They're listening to it. I love it. I love it. I'll just go. I say, okay, what do you want to play? Well, one of them came in. It's uh, the piece is Clocks by Coldplay. And so we just go through YouTube and I said, well, you play the piano. So let's find the music and let's learn it. So I, you know, I really love all types of music. And um, as a teacher, I don't really care what you're playing as long as you love it. Um, and it inspires you and you feel connected to it. So um, I think... Um, I'm more interested in the composers who are pushing the boundaries of sound and of of music than maybe more, uh, you know, pop music is is pretty stylized. It, um, you know, it has a form and, um, uh, you know, I think it's very driven by... Um, amazing artists who give that sort of form new meaning uh, rather than the form itself changing but you know how they put how they form that music um and and you know pop music is also so much about the visual as well as the music it, it has so many different aspects to it um, but I'm always interested, I'm interested in a lot of crossover uh, music. So like crossover folk or crossover jazz, you know, jazz that's performed in more uh, classical venues. That's, that's always interesting to me, to the music that's pushing boundaries. Thank you, Tina. So, so question, would you recommend, for example, someone who's composing music to maybe also with the, I guess, the ever-growing networks and you know like movie networks like or even like you know certain platforms such as netflix and things like that i mean they do have produced their own you know shows and things like that like writing scores for these for movies documentaries and stuff do you think that is something that could be a good route for someone to i guess to share their music and stuff um it's it's a very hard business to get into it's a very very hard music um I'm not so interested in that because when you write music for a show, it sort of is used by the show to illustrate the show rather than to be on its own at speaking for the composer. So it's kind of utilitarian. Um, also, you may write something and they'll just take this little bit of it. So <laughs> you don't have a lot of artistic freedom. You know, it's really... Spoken as an artist. I, and I've written music for some, like, uh, PBS shows. And basically what I do is I just write the piece of music and I say, here it is, use it any way you want to. And especially if it's recorded in tracks, then they could maybe take you know, this track and use it, or they take a little piece of it and then they'll take that track. Um, but then they're free to use it. And then I've said, well, why don't you let me listen to it? And 
So they kind of use this sort of theme again and again. And I said, that's kind of boring. Why don't you? <laughs> it's like, oh, okay. So, you know. It, it, you um, know, it's amazing because you are the artist. You are the, the, the composer. You, It's your baby. And then you see somebody else using it or like chopping it up. It's not, it's like, it's like, it's painful, I guess. <laughs> it's like, well, it's like somebody an artist. Like John, you know, somebody like John Williams, he has so much credibility and so much, you know, years and years and years in the industry. So they're going to be much more careful what they chop out of his. He has a lot more clout, in other words. So I don't know Hans much Zimmer, about the field. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know too much about it. I just heard that a friend of mine's son is, what is he writing music for? I've forgotten what he's writing music. And it's it's a hard business to crack. It's a very hard business. So, Not on a recommendation top 10, right? <laughs> you know, I don't know enough about it. No, you that's know. fair. It's fair. Well, again, but, but you know, you give in an honest opinion. But but I, I hear you. I, and I even feel the energy behind it because... You are, this is like your work, your piece of art, and you do not want someone. It's like, it's amazing, right? You put this whole show together, this whole thing, and someone comes in and says, like, why did you do this? Why did right. you do Maybe, oh, you got this whole piece of, well, just take this much. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, like that, that kind of almost hurts, right? It hurts your feelings. Right? But that's like, you know, you you know, somebody's going and, and criticizing the Mona Lisa and say, like, yeah, why, why is she not blonde? <laughs> <laughs> Imagine that someone comes in and, and asks that question. That would be like, you know, like almost hurting the feelings, right? Mm -hmm. So so it's the same concept. You are putting a piece of work that is unique, that has, you talk the time that it takes to actually write something and compose something. Well, I, but I want to be careful that, you know, the people who write for movies, they're very, very skilled. They're very good composers. I don't think they have, first of all, it's music for hire. I don't write music for hire. I write, people commission me and they'll say, would you write a certain amount of time for this string quartet? Let's say 15 minutes. They they might say, we're going to present it for this occasion. Um, but then it's my, you know, I just write a piece of music and they play it. Film is really different. A lot of times you'll be composing the music while you're watching the film. You need to to so to write it's, it's, scenes. Yes, so it's it's a really different genre. Uh, there are some amazing uh, composers for films, uh, but it's just different. It's just really it's really a whole different thing. I hear you, I, and by, I appreciate you know the and there there are great feedback. schools that will teach you so much about how to write film music and and again. When you write it, when you have something performed, it has an elasticity to it because maybe the performers will take it slower or maybe they'll they'll have a pause here. But with film music, it is exact. It has to go exactly with the film. And, and so there's not a lot of flexibility. So I have a question. Music is international. It's a world language, right? Now, for someone that's watching or listening in the U.S., it might be limiting themselves maybe to just the U.S., but you can certainly compose worldwide. And yes. and your piece can be probably even more prominent somewhere else because they'll see a different use for it there. You know, and, and maybe that's an opportunity that people should know about that, hey, why are you limiting yourself? Because this is not, 
it's not English. It's really music that can be played right. regardless. You just need, you know, a bunch of good people that love instruments and they can make the instruments right. really sound right. And you can get those anywhere in the world. I mean, there's some orchestras <laughs> almost in every country in the world, if not oh, you know, yes. every inch of the country in the world. So what do you say about that? <laughs> I, th I think it's a, a great way, you know, and certainly bands, they tour, they go over and uh, yeah. they tour. Um, I think it's, it's, a little harder sometimes to get your music abroad because um, they're doing their own music. So sometimes you also classical music, it's a very small world. People really know each other. Um, so you're, you're um, expanding on that. Well, you might not know, you might not know a group in Europe quite as well as you would know a group in the United States. So since it's it's a small field and, and um, people, you know, a lot of times they they hear about your work from somebody else who's played it. So it's kind of word of mouth. It's it's not as big a field as you would think. <laughs> so, um, so I think it is a wonderful thing um, to play music from other countries, other contemporary music, and to share your your work with others yeah so, so tina just just out of curiosity if i let's say i was your our your student right now i will basically let's say i write my first piece right i mean ideally the way i understand it now is that i find a band to play my music and that's kind of like my real my demo and then right. i can and then i can expose that to the world and then right. ultimately at that point people can hear you know what i can write and then right. when they like my style you know, it's like reading, you know, a novel versus a different type of book, right? They love my 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 formula, my 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 just, I guess, the melody, whatever my my mm -hmm. my my sweetness, I could say, right? <laughs> my emotions, and then if they hear that, then they might be like, "Oh, we want you to write for us. We want you to write right. this piece for us." Right. So that's oh, really the something. Opportuni the opportunities now uh, by YouTube and digital sharing. You know, it's funny now uh, in classical music, not in orchestras, but in if you go to just a concert of a string quartet or something, you know, they're using iPads now for the music and not yeah. sheet music. Um, you know, that in terms of my music, it really makes a big difference because a lot of times I'll write a piece of music and because it's very rhythmic and and all the instruments are playing, sometimes I have to adjust the music for page turns because you physically have to stop playing your instrument and turn the page. But now with an iPad, you just have to click your foot so you don't have to worry about where the page turned it. It makes a big difference. It's so interesting how the difference in how the form so on a you know, an old LP, you had the first side and you had the second side. When you created an LP, you would think about the last piece on the first side. You would want it exciting enough that people would flip it over. Now you don't have to worry about that. There's no, you know, it's all one thing. But before you actually had to strategize what will make it for sure that people will want to flip the this the lp over and play the other side and you'd have to sort of 
think about the dynamics, you know, the energy of that. <laughs> That's a lot of you work. Know, you don't have to do that anymore. <laughs> I it's, know. it's really a big change. Well, I mean, again, you're talking about adapting to technology and, and, yes. and how it benefits. And, and I know there are people that are just creative enough to 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 think like what an industry needs and how can we improve you know the mm-hmm. ability of, like make it more efficient and effective right so so right. that's that's the thing that that's happening well listen tina i think we've we've exceeded our hour but it was all you know fun <laughs> stuff i've learned quite a bit it was completely oh, thank you so much interesting you know stuff and 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 a discussion uh, we've talked about motivation, inspiration. We talked about, you know, advice. We talked about music. We've learned a little bit about composition and how it plays and how it works, how to promote it. Uh, you know, so we've touched on a lot and we certainly touched about your book. And so now do you have any other books or that's just the one book? That's my my first book. Yeah. All right. I will listen. I want to just congratulate you for the book and, and definitely for all the work you've done. And uh, I know you're going to do some more work out there. And uh, this is one of many. <laughs> Thank you uh, so much. Yeah. Thank, thank you. Thank you. So you. Appreciate you having being with us here. And and folks, I, I just really hope that um, this was a, a, I told you an interesting show. It is an interesting show. Definitely a new angle. Uh, and we've learned quite a bit. But we've talked about health. We've talked about mental health. We've talked about society, <laughs> lifestyles, and everything here. Uh, and it's just plenty to 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 take home with us. And uh, and so yeah. Um, We'll be talking soon. New day, new show on topic, new guest, uh, American Age. We'll be see you soon. Bye-bye.